Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 34, recap of the 2015 turkey season. So it is now the third week of May, and Alabama's season has been out for almost three weeks now. I just got back from my annual trip with my buddies from college. This year we went to Ohio and Indiana, and I am very excited to say that we each killed turkeys in both states. So that's two more states knocked off the list, and that gives me 19 states in my quest to kill turkeys in all 49 states that have turkeys. So I am a little bit less than halfway there. Just had some incredible experiences along the way, and I'm looking forward to many more as well. I mentioned on the last episode that I've got my bottom lip poked out because season was over in Alabama, and now it's really poked out because even though season was over in Alabama three weeks ago, I still had my annual trip coming up, so I had something to look forward to. Now that the annual trip is gone, my turkey hunting is over for the year, and we are 299 days, 19 hours, 5 minutes, and 37 seconds away to opening day of turkey season 2016. I'm not excited about almost 300 days of waiting to get there, but it does give us the opportunity to spend some time with some of these turkey hunting experts, really cover some subjects that we want to cover and some of the subjects are subjects that you guys have recommended, and we will definitely get to those, but there's still a lot to learn. Even for a seasoned guy like myself, I get a lot out of doing these interviews with these turkey hunting pros, and I told someone last week, I said, you know, I learn about turkey hunting not only from these guys that I interview that have 40 and 50 years of experience turkey hunting, but I learn a lot from the guys that have been out in the woods for two or three years turkey hunting may not necessarily be about turkeys, but it's about hunting. And anything that I can learn that makes me a better hunter, I'm all for it. So, speaking of learning, that's really what today's episode is about. I am going to go through the highlights of my season this year, which are going to include some turkey kills and a turkey miss as well. And the things that I either learned or that I feel like you guys can learn from. These will also serve as a reminder for me as I go through them and make notes about what I need to be doing and not doing in the upcoming seasons to make myself a better hunter. So, so let's go ahead and get right into it. So the first turkey that I witnessed fall this year was on Alabama's Youth Weekend, which was March the 8th. 
Now that's early season for us here in Alabama, but my hunting club where I hunt, the birds usually are further along there than they are in most other parts of the state. I'm not really sure why that is, but I do know that that is the case. They seem to be anywhere from 10 to 14 days ahead of everywhere else in the state that I hunt. That's a good thing because that means we do have some productive early season hunts there, whereas most of my friends who are hunting in other areas of the state are unhappy about the quality of the hunting that early. But on March the 8th, I was out on youth weekend with my friend Eric and his son Ethan, and on Ethan's 13th birthday, I called a turkey in for him, and he shot him at about 30 steps. It was a very exciting hunt, and I've told the story of the hunt already, so I'm not going to relive that part of it. But Ethan did a great job on the bird. He was calm, cool, and collected when he needed to be, and he was aggressive when he needed to be. And that's something that we can all do a little bit better, is just what Kenny Rogers says. We have to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. So we need to know when to move, when to sit still, and that's something that changes every time we sit down on a turkey. But that's not really what I want to talk about with this turkey. What I really learned from this particular hunt is that when we're hunting with a kid or a new hunter, we need to relax a little bit and make the act of killing a turkey the icing on the cake. Go outside, enjoy the outdoors, don't hesitate to stop and take 30 minutes to look for arrowheads in a field or on a road. Break up a beaver dam. If you've got beavers on your property and they're damming up creeks and flooding some of your property or flooding the roads, take some time to break that dam up. Look around you. This season on my hunting property, the blue herons were nesting near our pond, and I sat there and watched the herons go off, get food for their babies, come back to the nest and feed them. And I sat there and I watched them do that for probably 30 or 45 minutes one day. The hunting was slow. There was really nothing else to do. I could have kept walking, but I have over the years had a lot of success by just slowing down and not being so focused on the running and gunning part of the hunt. Just slow down. Enjoy everything around you. Soak it all in and you never know what'll happen. You may just be sitting there for 15 or 20 minutes and a turkey sounds off 200 yards away from you. I had it happen last season to me. I had it happen this season to me. That is how we ended up getting on that bird that Ethan killed. We were looking for arrowheads in one of the fields and I called after we'd been there for 10 minutes looking for arrowheads. I yelped and a turkey responded to my call about 300 yards away and that's how we ended up locating that bird and killing that bird. We may or may not have gotten that turkey to gobble if we'd walked through the area and called. I don't know. But what I do know is that, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves when we take other people hunting to get those people turkeys, whether that's a kid or a new hunter. But that's not the true experience of turkey hunting. The true experience that we all know and we love of turkey hunting is just being in the spring woods and taking in all that Mother Nature has to offer us. So that's what I learned on that turkey. And I'm going to make it a point to relax a little bit more in the woods when I'm turkey hunting going forward and let things happen. Of course, I'm going to force some things to happen as well, but I'm going to relax a little bit more. Okay, turkey number two is actually a turkey that I killed the second weekend of our season here in Alabama. And that turkey is the turkey that actually Josh Carney, son of the South, you guys may know Josh 
from his videos on YouTube or from being fans of his Facebook fan page, but Josh is a natural voice caller, and he is an exceptional natural voice caller. So go check out Josh if you don't know who he is. I'm calling this turkey the Josh Carney turkey because Josh and I got on this turkey that I ended up killing the afternoon before I killed him. And we basically put the turkey to bed. We didn't know exactly what tree he was in, but we were pretty sure we knew where that turkey was when he flew up. Overnight, it rained. And I know from experience that if it rains overnight when a turkey's on the roost, that turkey's going to fly down and he's going to go to an area where he can strut and use the sun and use the wind to help dry him out. So the key to success for that hunt for me was to use weather to your advantage. I am just as bad about this as anyone else. We complain about the weather when we're hunting or when it's hunting season, but the weather can actually help us kill more turkeys and have more success. Knowing that turkeys like to go to those low fields, fields where the grass is not real tall, they like to go to roads, they like to go to logging loading areas, and similar open areas like that, pastures, after a rain so that they can dry out, that will help you kill more turkeys. That is using weather to your advantage. So take some time, learn what turkeys like to do before, during, and after certain weather events and patterns, and use that to have more success. Another perfect example of that, it didn't happen this season, it happened about four years ago. My buddies and I were on what we call the trip around the world, which is where we go over about a three or four day weekend, a long weekend, and we go visit three or four different hunting clubs that we're all members of. And we spotted a couple of gobblers with two or three hens out in a pasture one day. And that afternoon, we had a little afternoon shower while we were making our approach to these turkeys. The turkeys went from being pretty much in the middle of the pasture to walking underneath an oak tree that was fully leafed out. And they went and they stood underneath that oak tree while it rained. It was just a passing shower, lasted maybe 10 minutes. It's enough to get you wet and a little bit uncomfortable, but it wasn't a downpour and it was not anything that was going to last for a long time. And those turkeys went and stood underneath the tree while it rained, just like you or I would do if we knew that this was a passing shower. So knowing things like that, if you've got fields and pastures on your hunting land and it's raining and you typically see turkeys out in that pasture when it's raining, be sure to check underneath the trees on the edges of the pasture, check underneath the trees out in the middle of the pasture, anywhere where there's cover from rain or shade on a sunny day, good places to look for turkeys. All right, turkey number three. I should say opportunity number three, a swing and a miss. I'm never happy about missing a turkey. Some of the misses I'm a little bit more comfortable with than others. This one I'm not very comfortable with because I sat on my hands when I should have been moving and getting ready to kill this turkey. This turkey came in very quickly to my setup. There were two turkeys in the area and I was unsure which turkey was going to come in first. When I saw the turkey come in, I was completely out of position, but he was moving very quickly. And what I should have done was I should have started moving my gun to get into position very slowly rather than waiting on him to step behind a tree or hopefully to stop with his head behind a tree while he's looking for that hen that was calling to him. I should have started moving my gun very slowly in his direction as he's walking towards me. He is almost on a run. Now you're not going to get away with that, 
if a turkey's moving very slowly, but if a turkey's moving quickly, if he's running to you or running to your decoy setup, you can get away with some movement because think about it, everything's moving. You want to move slowly and deliberately. You don't want to swing your gun very quickly and be something that's moving abnormally fast. So be slow, be deliberate. When that turkey's moving towards you and moving quickly, you be moving towards him. And when he stops, be ready. I was not ready. That's what cost me that turkey. So that's what I took away from it. Yes, it's something I've experienced in the past, but it's a great reminder for me. And that's one less turkey I have in the freezer right now because I was not prepared. Okay, turkey number four. I'm calling this turkey the trip around the world turkey because I killed him on the trip around the world. What I learned on this hunt is that when you're hunting with a partner, don't be afraid to split up and call. Now, what I mean by that is, in this example, we thought that this turkey was at the very point of a thicket. And my friend Todd and I, what we did was we split up and Todd sat on one side of the thicket and I sat on the other side of the thicket and we both called. The turkey ended up coming to my side of the thicket and I ended up killing that turkey. But had we chosen one side of that thicket or the other and we both set up together on either the left side or the right side of that thicket, we may not have gotten an opportunity to shoot that bird. I would have been just as tickled if the turkey had gone towards Todd, but he didn't. He came out in my direction and I got a shot at him. And again, that's one that had we not done what we did and split up, we may not have gotten that bird now. Now you probably know where I'm going with this. Be very, very careful when you split up from your hunting partner. Know where your partner is and do not, do not take a chance on a turkey when you think that that turkey may be between you and your hunting partner. I mentioned Josh Carney to you a little while ago. That is exactly what happened to him in his hunting accident. So be extremely careful. In this situation, I was actually up on the side of a ridge and Todd was down below me about 25 or 30 yards and I knew where he was sitting the whole time. I saw where he went, where he sat down, and I knew where he was the whole time. So if you need to come up with some sort of a sign so that you'll know where your hunting partner is when he or she sits down, if you happen to split up, then do that. Whether it's a Bob White quail whistle or maybe that person makes the first cluck on a call. Whatever it happens to be, come up with a sign and use that to help you locate your hunting partner after you split up. Please be very careful when you're using this strategy. Turkey number five. Todd's turkey. This is a turkey that I called in for Todd one morning and really the key in this setup was choosing the setup location wisely. Where you set up on a turkey is so extremely important to what the end result of that hunt is going to be that you really need to spend more time in choosing your setup. You want to be sure to have cover in front of you and cover behind you to help break your outline. If you think that the turkey is going to approach you by coming down a road, don't set up on the edge of the road where you can see 80 to 100 yards in front of you and 60 yards behind you. All you're doing is making it easier for the turkey to win the game of hide and seek. He sees a lot better than you do. He is going to pick you off if he has that long of a time to walk down the road and see you. So in that circumstance, set up off of the road 
where you can see about 40 to 50 yards down the road, but you'll have to pick a shot as the turkey approaches. You'll need to pick a shot through the trees and the bushes. Remember, you can always cluck once or twice to stop that turkey in an opening where you'll have an opportunity to take a shot. But if you're trying to pull off what you see on TV all the time, and that is watching a turkey approach you from 200 yards, you're not going to be as successful. If you will hide yourself very well, you will have more success on your hunts. And that was the key on this hunt. Todd and I actually split up on this turkey as well as the one we were just talking about. This time Todd was shooting, I was calling. We were not both hunting. And so Todd knew that he had to get off of the road that I was trying to call the turkey down. And he got about 10 yards off of the edge of the road in some short pines. And he set up to where he could see about 40 yards down the road. And when the turkey got within range, he shot and killed the turkey. Had he set up on the edge of the road, I am almost 100% certain that this turkey would have busted him. There was just not enough cover along the edge of the road to prevent Todd from being seen by the turkey. Turkey number six is a story you haven't heard about. That's my Indiana turkey. I and everyone else that you listen to will tell you to take out all obstacles between you and a turkey. Fall downs, creeks, roads, fences, whatever those obstacles happen to be, eliminate them. Get as close as you can to that turkey. Well, in Indiana, here's what we did. There was a creek, probably more like a ditch with running water in it. It's about 10 feet wide from bank to bank and about 4 feet deep from the bottom of the creek to the creek bank. This ditch was between the turkey and us, and we set up in the creek, and we stood there and waited on the turkey to approach. Now, from this location, if the turkey didn't want to cross the creek and he stayed on the side of the creek that he was on, we were still going to get a shot. If he crossed the creek and came from the other side, we were going to get a shot. So we had this turkey covered no matter what. If you cannot get past the obstacle that you think that turkey may hang up in, get in it. If it's a fence line, get in the fence line. If it's a blowdown, get in the blowdown. If it's a creek or a ditch, get in it. Don't be afraid to stand up and wait on that turkey to come to you. That's exactly what we did. We stood in the creek. Again, it's about four feet deep, so it blocked the majority of our bodies from being seen by the turkey. Worked as a great blind and the turkey approached us, got about 20 yards from us, drummed and strutted the whole way in, and I've marked Indiana off the list. So again, turkeys will cross obstacles like creeks and ditches to come to calling. It's not very likely, but they will do it. So for your best success, eliminate those obstacles by setting up very close to that turkey, and if you can't get around the obstacle that you think may hang that turkey up, get in it. All right, we're down to our seventh and final turkey hunt for the season. I'm going to bring in my buddy Brian for the story of this hunt, but before I do, what I learned, what I relearned, what I've had pounded in my head time and time and time and time again during turkey season is that the season is filled with highs and lows. You never know when the highs are going to take place. You never know when something exciting is going to happen. But what I do know is this. If you're sitting in the truck, or you're sitting at home on your couch, or you're laying in bed, not much is going to happen exciting in the turkey woods. So no matter how bad things seem to be in the woods, stay out there. They will change. Things will change. Keep going into the woods. 
and you will have success at some point in time. So I'm going to bring Brian in on the show. You guys have not heard from Brian yet, but he and I have hunted together for probably 15 years pretty regularly. And for most of that 15 years of hunting together, we've been pretty dang snake bit. We've not had a whole lot of luck, but I think it may have changed. So here's Brian, and I'll see you after the call. I've got on the phone with me my good friend Brian Rumley, and regular listeners to the show may wonder why they haven't heard of Brian before. The reason is Brian is my bad luck charm. (laughs) You could probably say the same thing about me, Brian. I'd be your bad luck charm. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, we've hunted together off and on for 15 plus years, but in that time, we've killed, I think, two turkeys together, but I got to thinking about that before the call. I think we've actually killed four turkeys together. Were you on the Illinois slaughter? The Illinois slaughter, yes, I was. Yeah, so we've actually killed four turkeys together mm-hmm. out of about 15 years of hunting together. Correct. Now, you've killed three of those turkeys, and I've killed one. That's also correct. You killed an eastern in West Alabama, a Merriam's in Wyoming, after you missed one that morning. We don't have you to killed, Well, you know, we have to talk about those things. It's very important that everybody understands what I'm saying here when I say you're my bad luck charm. Yes. Yes. You killed the eastern in Illinois, and then I killed an eastern in Illinois. So that's not very good odds for two guys that have hunted together off and on for 15 years. No, not at all. But we may have turned the tide after this trip to Ohio because there's no doubt about that we've now killed six turkeys together yes sir and I mistakenly on our hunt in Indiana and Ohio mentioned that you and I had never doubled before but again we doubled in Illinois I just didn't remember that Uh, until you just said it I, I just remembered it myself yeah so we have now actually doubled twice So really and truly, Brian, if you think about it, we haven't killed six turkeys together. We've killed four turkeys together. Yep. Just two of those four were doubles. Yep. So I haven't really had a reason to bring you on the show. (laughs) I understand completely. And and it's not anything negative towards you at all. No, I enjoy being around you too. Well, yeah, that's what it's all about, isn't it? it We have a lot of good together time, you and I do. Yes, we do. And the turkeys seem to have a good time when you and I are together, too, because there's not much killing going on. (laughs) No, not much killing at all. So after the hunt that you and I had in Ohio, there's absolutely no question in my mind that it's time to have you on the show because that hunt in Ohio was insane. Craziest thing I have ever been part of. You know, on the way back, because you drove there and back by yourself, and Chip and I rode together, he and I were talking. And I equated that whole trip, the Ohio part of that trip, to an Alabama LSU football game where Alabama wins in the last 30 seconds of the game. Yes, sir. And you sit there, and for three and a half hours, you're watching this game, and it's miserable. It's awful. Your guys can't do anything right. The other team seems to be doing everything right. There's a minute to go or 30 seconds to go in the game. Your guys have the ball. They break a tackle, run 60 yards for a touchdown. Your team wins the game. But yet, you look back on the whole game, and the other team dominated you. And that's what our Ohio hunt was. It was two days that you and I hunted together of nothing. Zero. Not even a 10 yielded. 
I think we did see a couple of hens in some of the fields we were driving oh, yeah. by and checking. Yeah. But when we were out of the vehicle, I don't believe we ever saw a hen or heard a hen. No, we did not. Thought we heard one one time, but obviously not. Yeah, I think it's wishful thinking. Yes. So, out of two days of hunting together, we had three minutes of excitement that you look back on and say, okay, the good guys won, but it sure was ugly getting to that point. So I, I didn't think we were going to, I was I was dreading every second of it. Just time went by, I got down and more down and more down. Oh, absolutely. And this was coming off of a hard hunt for you in Indiana. Yeah, very hard hunt. That was a last minute hunt too. Yeah, sure yeah. was. And it's never fun when, and I've been there many times, but it's never fun being the last guy out of four, five, six, seven guys who have killed a turkey. It's never fun being the last one who hasn't yeah. killed and you're, you know everybody else is, is pulling for you, but there's nothing really that any of the other people can do to help you. you just got to go do it and get it done. Pressure and, is on, for sure. Oh, man, yeah. Because there are now four of us left in this group of people who are trying to kill in every state, and it is a four-person goal. Yes, it is. If we go to a state and three people kill turkeys and one does not, that's not good. Yeah, I explained that to Keith. He asked after y'all had tagged out in Indiana. He said, well, the guys stay at home. It's not you hunt. And I said, no, sir. I said, one of them will be. I don't know which one of them will be. I said, one of them will be with me in the morning. And I said, the other two will drive around or do whatever they have to to find a, try to find her. That's just how we've always done it. Yeah, yeah. This is a joint venture. There's no question about it. It's when we complete this task, the good Lord willing, it won't be me saying to someone, well, I've killed a turkey in 49 states. It'll be me saying, we've killed turkeys in 49 states, yep. in each of 49 states. And that we is four of us. So that's going to mean four turkeys in 49 states. So the Ohio hunt, getting back to that, I'm going to kind of lead up to it, that the guy that you and I were hunting with, his name is Ryan, super nice guy. Yeah, but very nice. He didn't seem to be very familiar with the farms that we were supposed to be hunting, did he? No, he did not. And all of you turkey hunters listening to the podcast know the number one rule in being successful in turkey hunting is knowing the land that you're hunting. And when I say the guy didn't know the land, he knew where about five of the farms that this outfitter had leased, he knew where about five of those farms were. And... We drove past those farms how many times the first morning? Oh, four or five times each? At least four or five times. Looking for turkeys in fields? Yep. And might have seen one or two hens out there and no turkeys of the male persuasion? Mm, not at all. So after riding around looking at those same farms over and over and over again, he says to us, well, do y'all want to go look at some state land and hunt there? Hmm. And my immediate thought was, no, we paid to hunt private land and that's what I want to hunt. I'm sure the yeah yeah, and I'm sure the public land is great land that he wanted to go hunt. It's it's beautiful because we did go go to it because I was sick of driving around looking at the same five fields over and over and over again. This beautiful, absolutely beautiful property, but that's not what we paid for, and I was very unhappy about that. And so we basically let day one go. What what time did we quit? About one thirty, two o'clock, something yeah, like 130, that? Yeah, one thirty, one thirty, two o'clock. And it was miserably hot. I mean, it was almost 90 degrees, and it was just hot. Not the kind of weather you want to be traipsing around in the woods and camo in. But living in Alabama, Brian and I are used to it. Yep. It's just not fun to do it. So that was pretty much day one. Yep. 
day two, we were promised something a little bit better. We were promised to go to a farm where two gobblers had been spotted the first morning of the hunt by Chip and John, who were hunting together with another guide named Jeff. So Brian and I and Ryan, Brian, Ryan, and I go to this second farm. And what happened there, Brian? Um, first thing, we were probably 15 to 20 minutes late that morning. Yep. I don't really know. I was told why we were late, but didn't really understand it. So right off the bat, when they, when they pick us up late, you're already just, we knew the turkeys were close to a big field, and we knew we needed to get in there early. And then being 15 to 20 minutes late just just didn't put a good vibe on the hunt at all. Not yeah. thinking positive, not one. I didn't think there was a chance we were going to have on these turkeys. Yep. And we didn't, did we? No, we did. Walked across that field in broad daylight, and the setup was the worst setup I've ever seen. There was nowhere to hide. It was just awful. Not only was there nowhere to hide, but we're sitting down on the side of a hill looking directly into the sun. And far as you could see, it was, what, 25, 30 yards, maybe? Yeah, before the hill rolled, and you couldn't see anything on the other side of the roll in the hill. So at that point in time, I'm thinking day number two, you and I have been gar-holed again. Yes, yes. And then the text message comes in. Chip has killed. So John killed his bird the first morning. Chip killed his bird the second morning. So out of two days, got two birds down. Which is pretty good odds. I mean, that's that's, that's, that's pretty good. Exactly. That's looking pretty favorable at that point. Yeah, yeah. I think so, the hardest thing about that morning, that text message that we got from Chip, was about the third text message said the turkey had gobbled over 100 times. Right. And we've not heard anything. Not heard one turkey gobble one time. Right. And it's turkey hunting. It happens that way. We all know that. Yeah. But you don't ever want to be the party that doesn't hear a turkey gobble when the other part of your hunting party has had two turkeys gobble about 100 times each. And you can't, I mean, you can't even buy a turkey gobble. And at that point, you and I couldn't. So then we get another text that says, come out to the truck. We're waiting for you. We're going to ride around and go look at some other farms that Jeff has permission to hunt. So we leave where we are, gather our gear, leave where we are, go back to the truck, and we drive, what, maybe five minutes away? If that. And this particular farm is on the left-hand and right-hand side of the road. Right. This is a a highway. I mean, this is a state highway. A lot of traffic on this road. A lot of traffic. Yeah. And we're hitting it at, what time do you think it is? Nine? Nine, nine fifteen, somewhere in there. It's about 9.15 because I think you and I, I think we killed at about 10 o'clock. Correct. So actually, we probably hit there about 9.30. And there's still a fair amount of traffic on this road. So we pull up to the top of this hill, and there's a little pull-off on the side of the highway. We pull off, and we've already spied turkeys on the left-hand side of the road. Yes, sir. Five jakes, three longbeards. Correct. Well, Jeff and Chip are in the vehicle in front of us, and they see turkeys in a field on the right-hand side of the road. The turkeys they see, they're really, really excited about. Mm-hmm. They don't see the turkeys on the left-hand side of the road. The turkeys on the right, yeah, the turkeys on the on the right-hand side of the road that they saw are six, seven hundred yards away. At least the turkeys that we spotted on the left-hand side of the road are 150 yards off of the road. At the furthest, 150 yards. Yep, and they have not a care in the world. Nope. But I do because I look back behind us. The road entering the field that those 
five Jakes and three Longbeards are in has a red truck parked in it and two people standing out beside the truck chatting it up. Yep, and their turkeys are just, the turkeys are not 100 yards from them. No, uh-uh. And the turkeys see them. They cannot not see those people standing there on the side of the road. Correct. There's nothing between the turkeys and these people except grass that would be, oh, mid-shin high mm-hmm. on us. So grass is going to come up to the turkey's beard. So once Jeff realizes that we see turkeys that are a lot closer and we've got long beards, he whips the truck around on the highway, pulls in. Before he pulls in, another vehicle pulls in in front of him. So now there's two vehicles there that do not belong to our party. And about four people pile out of the second vehicle that pulls in. Then our two vehicles pull in. And there are five of us. So there's about 11 people standing on the side of the road. And there are eight turkeys out in the field watching. So then a plan comes together. The, the other two vehicles were there to go and work on a cemetery that was up at the top of the hill of the field that the turkeys are in. And Jeff talked to, was the guy the property owner, Brian? I, I don't know. All I remember was his big hat that he had on. Yeah. So Jeff talks to one of the guys and says, hey, I've got some hunters with me. You know, I've got this. Actually, what he says is I've got this property leased for hunting and I've got hunters with me. Can you give us about five minutes to try to get up here in position to shoot these turkeys before you ride into the field and run them off while you go up there to work on the cemetery? And the head guy says, yeah, no problem. Go ahead. So then Brian and I get the signal. The wave. It's go time. So we grab our gear. Brian is in front of me, and our plan is to approach the field by putting some hay bales that are on the edge of the field between us and the turkeys. As we start to leave where the vehicles are parked, our guide, Ryan, who's been carrying around this turkey fan for a day and a half, says to me, do you want the turkey fan? And I said, yeah, let me take it. I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. So glad you took it. So we take off towards the hay bales. Brian's leading the way. And we get to the hay bales. We look. Our plan was to get to the hay bale that was closest to the field, closest to the turkeys, before the turkeys got there. And we were just basically going to bushwhack two turkeys. Yes, we were. And I was fine with that, too. I'm perfectly fine with it. Mm -hmm. People who say, I don't bushwhack turkeys because it's not hunting, you hadn't bushwhacked turkeys. Yeah, correct. They've got to be the hardest thing to bushwhack. So... We get up to the first hay bale, peek around the corner, around the edge of the hay bale, and the turkeys are already where we need them to be before we can get where we need to be. How far are they at that point? I think they're 70 yards? Yes, 70, 80 yards. So I've got this fan, and what happened from there? Um, You handed me the fan and said, stick it right in front of your face, and let's start crawling through this knee-high grass, and let's just crawl up to the fence and, and see what will happen. We get to that one point, and you say, Let, let's crawl over to the tree. Well, when I crawl to the tree with you right behind me, the turkeys now have moved off a little bit further, and they can't see us. And I kind of look they're around. Right, 100 yards at that point? 100 yards. And then I kind of look at you, and you're like, all right, just go to the fence, fast as you can. Well, it's not really fast to crawl through knee-high grass with a fan in front of your face and <laughs> trying to drag a shotgun. It's difficult. But we cover that, you know, 10 yards pretty quickly, as fast as you can crawling. And then we get to the fence, and I've got the fan in my face. You're over my right shoulder, and you can see what's going on. I can't see a thing because I've got the fan directly in front of my face. 
I've never been a part of doing any of this so-called fanning, as people call it. So I've got the fan and get the fins. And by then, I think there was just two of the long beards left. The rest of them had gone over the heel. Yeah, there were three. Three, three. Once again, I couldn't yeah. see. So, and yeah. you tell me, say, all right, Brian, just start twisting. Just turn the fan back forth. So I'm turning the fan back and forth and still cannot see a thing. So I'm having to, you're giving me the play-by-play because you can look at them. And then I ease around the edge of the fan when I tilted it one time and I see one of the turkeys look up. And of course I jump right behind the fan again because I didn't want to see it. <laughs> and then the next thing I know is, is you say, I believe they see it. Now I believe they're coming. And one of the turkeys takes a step and then you, you say, Brian, they are coming. And they are coming fast. And, of course, I'm just a nervous wreck because I can't see a thing. I have no idea. And then you tell me, one of the last things I remember was gobbler on the left, gobbler on the right. So I knew by what you had told me that I was going to shoot the one on the left because you were on my right shoulder. And so I'm still fanning, and, and you once again say, they are coming, they are coming fast. And about 50 yards out, they stop and gobble, and it scared me to death. <laughs> and I mean, it, it made me jump. And once again, I still, by then, I was not coming out from behind the fan because I didn't want to screw this up. So <laughs> we were getting down to the wire once again, and I was not going to be the one to mess this up. So then you say, uh, all right, what are we going to do next? And you say, well, just drop the fan and shoot. So then I, I drag my gun up, take the safety off, and then you say it again, and it just doesn't really register with me. And then I was like, you know, I think Andy really wants me to drop the fan. So I dropped the fan. And when I dropped the turkey stop, and they were like, uh-oh, I shoot the one on the left, you shoot the one on the right. Out of all the turkeys I've killed, and I've not killed a ton of them, I've killed a good many turkeys, that was the most intense and happiest I've ever been after a turkey hunt. First of all, for you and I to kill that double, which made it even more special, because that just doesn't happen that often. Yeah. And and it just, we'd gone, like I said, a day and a half, hadn't heard a turkey gobble. And next thing you know, we've got two dead turkeys laying out in the field. It was from the lowest of lows to the highest highs in about, it seemed like about two or three minutes. Yeah. I think it was about three minutes. Yeah. Of course, I didn't time it. No. But it couldn't have been that long. You crawled so fast from that first hay bale to the last hay bale. And, the, and this is a block of hay bales. It's probably, these are the big round hay bales. And there's probably 25 of them total. And they're about five deep by five wide. Yeah. You got to the end of those hay bales so quick crawling carrying that fan in front of your face in one hand and the shotgun in the other hand i was amazed <laughs> then from the end of that last hay bale when we got there this is from my perspective i'm looking over brian's right shoulder and i see three turkeys about 100 yards away at the top of a knoll in this field they take three steps over the knoll and they're gone well something's got their attention and the fact that they haven't run off kind of led me to believe it was not me and brian that had their attention it was what Brian had in front of his face that had their attention. So when you got to that last hay bale, I look over there at them, and I want to make sure they can see this fan. I don't want them to wander off and them not even see the fan. So that's when I said, go to that tree. Well, there's a tree on the fence line that runs from the road to a cross fence, and we're headed towards the corner where these two fences meet, but there's a, a tree about 10 yards before that corner. And when you crawled up to that tree and the turkeys are still looking and the next step was to go to the fence and you got to that fence quick. Now I'm looking over Brian's right shoulder pretty much the whole time from the time we started crawling until the time we got to the corner of the fence, fences. 
and I'm looking in the binoculars, and I see the three turkeys standing on top of the knoll when we get up to the corner of the fence. And I'm watching, and the grass is just tall enough to where I cannot see if they're gobblers or jakes. All I know is there's three turkeys standing there. There is no color to their heads whatsoever. And when I told Brian to move that fan, just turn it, twist it a little bit back and forth, give it a little bit of realism, I watch the turkey on the right, and he stands up at full attention, and I can see he's got a long beard. I look over at the one on the left, and he stands up to full attention, and I can see he's a long beard. At that point in time, I could care less what the turkey in the middle is. And I look back at the one on the right, and I see that little flap of skin that runs from his lower jaw on his beak down to his wattles. I see it start to turn red. And I said, Brian, their heads are changing colors. And then I look, and his wattles went from having no color at all to being blood red in what had to be at the most two seconds. And then he took a step towards us. And I was like Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber when he asked the girl if there was a chance that they could get together. And she says, not in a million years. And he says, so you say there's a chance. When I saw him take that step, I said, they just took a step towards us. And the turkey on the right looks over at the turkey on the left like, you see that? Am I the only one that sees that? And then he took another step. And he looked over there at his buddies. And he's like, oh, yeah, y'all saw it. Y'all are coming. We're going. Let's go. And they took off. It was two steps and a dead run. They are running, bumping into each other, coming to this fan. And when they hit about 50 yards, maybe 40 yards from us, all three of them stopped on a dime and gobbled at the same time. And I told you, I said, they're coming. They're running at us. And you said to me, I can't see anything. (laughs) And I said, they're coming. They're coming. And you said, I can't see anything. What do I do? And I said, drop the fan and shoot. (laughs) And at that point in time, they were about 30 yards from us. And when they got about 20 yards from us, I said, Brian, drop the fan and shoot. And when you drop that fan, I remember the bird on the left peeling off. And before the birds ever really started coming, I said, my gun, I'm skipping around in the story for a fraction of a second, but before the the birds ever started really coming towards us, I pulled my gun up beside your right shoulder and I said, my gun is to your right. No matter what happens, do not move to the right. But my barrel is past you. And you said, okay. And at that point in time, that was your cue to go left. And you knew that. So when you dropped that fan and the bird on the left peeled off and you shot, I was immediately on the bird on the right and I shot. And they both went down and the bird in the middle is looking around like he doesn't know what in the world to do. And he turns around and kind of trots off. But I've never been part of a hunt like that. I had Jimmy Primos on the show and he was talking about fanning turkeys. And I had a conversation with him and I told him, I said, you know, it just is not very safe. I just don't think it's worth doing it. I just, I'm worried about a poacher being on the property and shooting at me instead of the turkey that I'm trying to fan in. In this case, I didn't have any worries. There were a big stack of hay bales to our right. Part of what makes this story very interesting is that there are nine people standing beside four vehicles on the side of the road watching this whole hunt go down. And don't forget about Chip and Jeff and Ryan standing in the back of the truck watching. Yeah, yeah. You're standing in the back of a pickup truck with binoculars watching the hunt go down. And 
in that case, I had no worries that we were being hunted at all, that anybody else was on that property. There were so many eyeballs watching this show happen that if somebody was sneaking around the edge of that field trying to get a shot on these turkeys with a rifle or something, they would have been spotted. Oh, yeah. Or they wouldn't have seen us because of the hay bales in the way. Right. And then the tree on the other side was blocking someone from our left from being able to see the fan. So I've not been a big fan of fanning just because of the safety aspect of it. Everything that I've seen on all the videos on YouTube and everything else, it looks terribly exciting. And I can tell you now that it is terribly exciting. It is still very dangerous. Will I do it again? I'm not going to lie. If the opportunity presents itself and I feel like I'm safe enough, I'll do it again. If it's not safe enough, if I feel like there's a chance someone else is out on the property, I won't be doing it. I'm not likely to do it on a Saturday morning, even on private property in Alabama. I I might do it on a Wednesday morning on private property in Alabama when... I'm the only one on the land that I'm supposed to be on. That doesn't prevent poachers from being on there. But again, you're less likely to be poached on a Wednesday than you are on a Saturday, I think. Yeah. But that hunt blew my mind. It I was, was. I remember that for the rest of my life. No questions asked. It was three minutes of crawling, turkeys running, a gobble, and shots being fired, and a double down. Mm-hmm. You know, hunts don't happen that quick. No. And it, it was. And- Doing the fanning, neither one of us had ever done it before. We'd seen it on TV. So it was the first time we ever fanned, and then then, uh, probably one of the best hunts of your life happens in three minutes. It's even more special. And I'm making this crap up as I'm going along. Yeah, you are. You're standing there with that fan in front of your face, and you're like, okay, what next? I'm just making this stuff up. Yeah. And you're playing right along with me. I appreciate that. Not a problem. (laughs) Not a problem. Well, I'm hopeful that this Ohio hunt is a sign of what's to come for the next 15 years for me and you. I hope so, too. Because if that's the case, there's going to be a lot more exciting hunts coming Mm -hmm. and a lot more turkeys' beaks hitting the ground. Yes, sir. So, listen, I know you've got to get into CrossFit so that you can stay sexy looking for your bride. Yes, sir, I do. So I'm going to cut you loose. I appreciate you taking the time this afternoon to come on the call with me and to share that story. And I'm going to relive the rest of my 2015 turkey season and tell a little bit of the stories of what went on in Ohio and Indiana and all of the fun with our outfitter confrontation that we had there. So I'm going to let you get back to what you do. Appreciate the friendship and all the good times hunting together, and I'm looking forward to a lot more of them. And yeah, I appreciate it too, and thank you for this opportunity. It was one of the most, if not the most amazing hunt I've ever been a part of, and thankful you were there with me. Yep, I enjoyed it, every single bit of it. Tell your lovely bride I said hello. All All right, right. give her a big hug. I'll do it, buddy. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, I hope you enjoyed the call with Brian and the story of fanning the turkey in in Ohio. That has to be one of the most exciting turkey hunts I've ever been a part of. It lasted maybe three minutes. It was the craziest three minutes I've ever experienced. I've never had three turkeys completely change their demeanor, change their attitude, and run in to my setup with the intentions of kicking my butt. But that's what happened. It was insane. And to go back to what I said about the highs and lows of turkey hunting, the trip to Ohio was a huge low. That three minutes of hunting was one of the biggest highs that I've ever had turkey hunting. I will never forget that moment. It was 
extremely exciting. Okay. I hope that you guys have gotten something out of today's show. I always say that the best way to learn about turkeys and turkey hunting is from the turkeys themselves. The second best way, and the way that's much less frustrating, is to actually have somebody share their experiences with you. And I like to put those experiences away in my memory bank and bring them back up when I feel like they can benefit me. I hope that you guys will do the same thing with this episode. If you got some useful information from today's episode, please go over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and a short review letting us know your thoughts about the show. That is much appreciated and it helps us show up in iTunes rankings and it makes it easier for other people to find the show as well. And don't forget to subscribe to the show if you have not already. Subscribing to the show does not cost a dime and you'll get notification of new episodes as they're uploaded so that you can listen to those when they come out. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's show. I know that you have choices and I appreciate you spending your time with us. I look forward to seeing you next week for another exciting episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. Have a wonderful week and a fantastic Memorial Day. Don't forget the veterans who sacrificed everything so that we can have these freedoms that we enjoy, like turkey hunting. And I'd like to take this time to thank all of the veterans listening to this show for your service and all of those who have lost loved ones in service to this country as well. Thanks a lot, everybody. I look forward to seeing you next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.